Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Maser, the laws of tithing, Perik Shlishi, chapter 3. We're learning the laws of tithing when the farmer completes the act of setting aside the truma, the heave offering the 2% to the Kohen, he then goes to the next item on the agenda and he has to give or set aside 10% to the Levi. This is called Maser. Now, there are many conditions which prevail where technically the act of Maser does not kick in yet. The obligation does not kick in yet. And in many of these situations, rabbinically they have to be done anyway. But here, this chapter is going to be talking about points of obligation when the obligation kicks in or when the farmer can still intermittently snack from the produce without giving the miser. Now, the miser has a great seriousness to it because not only is it a mitzvah where you have to give 10% to the levy, which in and of itself is quite important, but the plot thickens because of these 10%, one of these 10% goes to the Kohen as Trumas Miser. So therefore it takes on the sanctity of produce that has not had Truma taken from it, which is called Tevel, which is called produce, which was not processed into Truma. Why? Because even though the first Truma was already given, the first 2%, but the Truma of the Miser, the 10% of the 10% was not given. And therefore it has a tremendous seriousness by Torah law. Aleph 1, What if produce reached the point of tithing, the time, the phase of tithing, and then they were uprooted, harvested from the ground, and even though they reached a phase where they're, as we said, they are mature enough, they are plucked from the ground, but still the process has not been completed enough for the obligation to kick in. Kigain, for example, the actual act which causes Miser to be a full obligation is the act of winnowing or straightening out the grain pile which we call Zora or Mircha, winnowing or straightening out the grain pile. That's the act where the produce is now 100% obligated from Iser. In this particular scenario, it was harvested, Vidosha, and it was threshed. But the winnowing process did not take place yet, where you separate the shaft from the grain. Because the winnowing and the straightening process did not yet take place. So the obligation is not in full kick-in. One may still snack from this produce even regularly 
because we're not 100% there for the obligation to kick in. But once the full work, the work has come full cycle. You're past the winnowing and straightening the grain pile. Point Then it is forbidden even to taste a tiny piece, even haphazardly. So that is the introductory rule. There is a point in time when the obligation for tithing kicks in 100%. Until that point in time, you could sneak a little bit produce here, a little produce there. Beis Bamed, when does this apply? When one is completing the work necessary to prepare the produce to be sold into the marketplace, where I believe we learned earlier that biblically, when one sells produce, there isn't even a, an obligation for miser. But rabbinically, there is. So rabbinically, there is. But if his intent was to move this produce into the house, or into the barn, or into the courtyard, he may eat. And snack from it, even after the work is completed full cycle, until an act takes place which actually kicks the miser process in. What is this act where once you bring the miser into the house, so to speak, where something occurs where this obligation kicks in 100%, and that's the point of no return. So he's going to introduce them here, and then very slowly, over the next several chapters, define them. One of six things have to happen in order to permanently obligate produce for tithing. One is hechotzer, bringing it into a courtyard. This is the idea of bringing it into a courtyard, bringing it into the private domain, bringing it into the residential domain. And we're going to talk about this. The hamikach and a financial transaction, for example, selling it, is number two. Number three is vihoesh, subjecting it to fire Roasting it, cooking it. Number four, Vahamelach, subjecting it to salt, salting and pickling it. Vahatruma, the next is separating truma, that also kicks in the miser obligation. Vahashabas, and the entry of the Sabbath. These are the six points of 100% miser obligation, and we will talk detail. This situation only requires separation of tithes when the work necessary to, to prepare the produce has been completed. So we need two things. We need the work necessary to complete the produce, which is even completion of winnowing and straightening the grain pile. And then we need one of this, these six events to occur. And now we get into lots, and I underscore the word lots of detail. 
Dalit, Ketzad, for example, Pedes, Shadati, Lelich, and Labayas. There are pro, there's produce that one intends to bring into one's household. Even though all the work has been done, it's been winnowed, and the pile has been straightened. He can continue to snack from it. Until it actually is brought into the house. So all the work has been done. You decided to bring it into the house. Keep snacking until you do. Once this produce has actually been brought into the house, and we're going to talk about what house means. We haven't defined that yet. We're talking a vague term now, bringing into the house. Then it has been entered into the moment where Maser is now fully obligated. And one may not eat anything, period. Until one tithes. Similarly speaking, if he sold it, a bishlon bo'or, or cooked it by fire, a kvashon b'melech or salted it, a hipresh me'am truma, or set aside truma, inichtsa Shabbos aleyem, or Shabbos entered, lo'yechal atriyasir, he shouldn't eat until you take the tithe. Afa pishelahigia l'bayis, these are alternative conditions to having it enter into the house. Yichnis on l'bayis, kedem shetikom emalachtam, but... If he brought the produce into the house before it has come full cycle and the winnowing and straightening out process has not yet happened, he can still eat this intermittent produce, this temporary snack. However, once the truma, I'm sorry, once the truma, once the produce has been brought into the house, he began the completion process, or the completion process began. Now everything kicks into full obligation. Ketzat, for example. If he brought zucchini and squash home, and he did not rub them to remove the hairs on the surface, which is the finishing process for zucchini and squash. Once he rubbed one zucchini or squash to remove the hairs, then everything has now kicked into the phase where the full obligation of Maaser kicks in. All similar situations. Similarly speaking, if somebody separates truma from produce, from which all the tasks necessary to prepare it have not yet been completed. But he separated truma anyway. He can still eat from them intermittently, with the exception of a basket of figs, where if he separates truma from them before the work is completed, these figs become obligated for the miser effect. Meister obligation. Hey, ha maybe la If somebody brings fig branches to which figs were still attached, mich b'day tomorrow ubahem tomorrow or date fronts to which dates were still attached. If they were brought home by children or by employees, then the meister obligation does not become 
firm. But if the owner himself brought them into the house, then they're obligated for tithing. If a person brought in stalks of grain to make dough, the obligation does not kick in. But he brought them in to eat roasted kernels, then they were kicked in. The obligation is kicked in from Meisr. This is true for grain, but in the case of legumes or beans, this obligation does not firmly kick in. One can actually play a little game here, be crafty and bring grain that has been harvested into one's home, while it's still in the outer shell, which means it's not completed. In order for the animal to eat it, why should I give truma? Why should I give meiser for food which my animal is going to eat? Technically, that would be exempt from meiser because he brought it into the house, still in the full shell. And then he could actually winnow it by hand, little or little. I'm not sure by hand. He can winnow it little by little. And if the winnowing takes place once it's in the house, then it's not technically kicking in from Meiser. And that way one would always escape the obligation of Truma Meiser. Because he never begins to complete it all because he brought it in in the shell. Who brings in grain in the thick shell into the house? And therefore he technically evaded the whole Truma and Meiser obligation. What if somebody completes the process? The only problem is the produce belongs to someone else. He completes someone else's process of produce. He does one of the six things to someone else's produce, which kick in the Meiser obligation. Then this does establish the neighbor's produce as having kicked in for a miser, because the produce reached the stage where it's necessary to tithe it. So this is not dependent on the owner's intent. This is just something that happens. Ches ezel gomar Now we have to define what it means when we say completion of work cycle for individual produce. Hakshuim vadeluim babatichim. As mentioned earlier, zucchini, squash, and watermelon. When rubs them with his hands and removes the golden hairs. And if he doesn't rub them at all, when he makes a pile of them. For a watermelon. When he arranges them in a particular designated place, one watermelon next to the next watermelon. What if he was rubbing the fruit one by one? As long as he finished that specific produce, then it kicks in. And one can separate truma from zucchini and squash, even though the hairs have not been removed. Vegetables which are sold bound together becomes liable when they're bound together. If he's not going to bound together, when the container is full. 
As long as he doesn't do that, he can snack on it until it's completely harvested. When he covers the basket with leaves and straw and the like, which is customary, if he's not going to cover it at all, when it's full, he's not going to fill it, when he gathers all he needs. A large container which he only intends to fill halfway. Once he finish, finishes filling it halfway, then the produce goes into the category of tevel, which means it now needs to be tied. But if he had in mind to fill the whole vessel, the whole basket, the whole vessel, he doesn't become... Tevel obligated until he fills the whole thing. If there were two, without you had in mind to fill both. It doesn't become Tevel, which means the obligation of Meiser does not kick in until he fills them both. So the finishing of work is very individualistic. When a person makes a large bundle of vegetables in the field, even though he then intends to undo the larger bundle and make smaller bundles for the marketplace, it already has become obligated. Pomegranate seeds, raisins, and carobs. Once a person sets up a pile on top of his roof to dry. Onions become obligated when one removes the leaves and shells that he would generally discard. If he doesn't, until he creates a pile. Grains, when we do the meruach, which is the straightening of the edges. Somebody who beautifies the look of this grain heap, shatua, berachas, either using a pitchfork, the safe cold over at the end of the process, as we do, when we finish, it's an act of, I'm done, you make it all pretty. If he does not at all do that process, until he makes it into a pile. Hakitnias beans, mishe yichber, when he sifts them, and then takes them from under the sifter and eats them. If he's not going to sift them, until he straightens them. He can take from the kernels that are in the straw and here and there and snack on them. Once he places it in the barrel, and he removes the peels and the seeds. But if it's in the cistern, when one takes some out to put it in the barrel, you can have a little casual drink. Why not? A little drink, you work better. And therefore, you can collect the wine from the upper vat, from the conduit, from any place, and drink it without giving the tithe. Fifteen Hashemen, what about oil? Once it descends into the vat, even though it's descending, it 
Even though it's descended, he could take a little from the rope basket, the stone used to grind the olives, the boards or the stones of the olive price, and give it in, and place it into cooked food or a small dish, even though the food is hot. Because it's a second vessel and it's not going to become cooked. But if it was hot enough where it can actually burn the hand, he should not put it in it. Because it cooks. We learned the laws of cooking extensively in Shabbos. Tezayin ha'igul shaldveila, a cake of dried figs. Mishayachlikeno, when he smooths it. Hagregres, dried figs. Mishayodush, when they crush it into the container in which they'll be stored. Mishayodush, they're placed in a storage container. Mishayagol, the others, alpinia when he makes it smooth, roundish. Hayadosh hagregres, bechabes ha'igul, alpinia what if one was crushing dried figs into a jug or a cake at the opening of a storage container? And the barrel broke when the storage container opened. Then it's time to give the tide before he eats it. Figs and grapes that have been set aside to dry. One can, is permitted to snack from them in the place where they were set aside. But if he took the set pile and took it somewhere else, he should not take a snack, because that's considered done. Even though they're not totally dry. Carobs, boxer, before he collects them to dry on the roof, he can give some to his animal. He's exempt from ice. Because he's bringing down the rest to dry, bringing up the, he's returning the rest to dry. So this was only intermittent snacking. What if somebody separated the first tithe early? What is the meaning of early while the produce was still in its stalks? Also, then he can no longer eat from it, snack from it. Kedem Shiapish Tumasi before he takes the truma of the miser. Because you got a problem. If he did, then he's eating food from which Trumas Maiser was not taken. then he can be rabbinically lashed. what is the definition here? He was peeling barley kernels and eating them. Mekalaf Achas Machas one by one. If he peeled several and held them in his hand, he is required to tithe it. If he's crushing the shells of wheat kernels, he can sift from hand to hand and partake of them. But if he sifted them into his lap, he's required to tithe them. Certainly, if he did it into a vessel, this is no longer snacking or temporary or intermittent. He takes from the wine and puts it in a plate into a cold dish and he eats it. Onto a pot, even though it's cooled. Because it's considered like a miniature pit. He can squeeze olives on his flesh, but not into his hand. All of these are called intermittent. Just as he can snack from food 
whose work has not been completed. He can always feed his animals, birds. From it, he can declare public anything before he gives a tithe. And if it's complete, even though it has not been set aside, he can no longer declare public. He can no longer feed his animals and birds. Set food until he gives the but when it's in the house, one can even give the animal a little food, even from the grains that are tevo, where truma meiser has not yet been given, and he can feed an animal rolls of chilba until one bundles them as packages. If somebody discovers fruit on the road... Individual fruits that have been detached from any species of fruit, like fresh figs, even near a field of figs, being that they're individual, they're exempt from mice. Somebody found dried figs. Most of the people, if the, if the most of the figs have been pressed, as most people would do, Chayav Laaser, he is obligated to give Meiser. Because we can safely assume that it's done, whatever had to be done to them was done. If he found broken cakes of figs, we can assume that it was from a completed produce. Chabbez 22, if somebody finds sheaves of wheat, in a private domain, the question is, what is this? He has to give Meiser. But in a public domain, he's not obligated. And if he finds larger sheaves, which are called alumes, they're always obligated for Meiser to be given because they are larger, because of their size, they're not considered ownerless even in the public domain. What if somebody finds bundles of grain that have been straightened, which means finished? He can dedicate it as truma and maiser for other produce. You shouldn't worry. What if he finds a basket of covered fruit? Chayev is b'maisus. He's obligated in tithing. What if he finds a basket? In a place where a lot of people go into the marketplace. Also, he's forbidden to eat intermittently from it. And he must correct it. As if it were demai. Remember what we learned that demai is produce. We're not sure whether truma has been taken from it or not. Do mai, what is this? That's where the word demai comes from. Where the majority of people take him into the houses. Then he may eat intermittently and he can surely set up the truma in a certain, not uncertain manner. Mechza, demai. What if half the people bring home 
and half don't, then it's considered then it's considered demai. If he did bring it into the house, he treats it as certain. If there's something that doesn't have a specific demarcation of when it's finished, but something that has a clear demarcation of now, this cycle is done, even though he can certainly give 100% tithing, and it's not a he doesn't have to give Truma, because we can safely assume that Truma was given at that point. Chab Gimel 23. What if somebody found lots of produce in an ant uh, hill, in an ant hole? You know, ants are very industrious. I once had an ant, no, just kidding. Ants are very industrious, and they can take lots and lots of grain and bring it into an ant hole. You can have tons of stuff. So he finds the grain in the ant hole. The question is, was miser given from it or not? If you find it next to a grain heap, then what's in it is obligated from miser. Because we can assume that the ants were taking from the finished produce and they were working as a team all night. We learn industriousness from ants. When somebody finds olives under an olive tree and carobs under a carob tree, he finds stray olives under an olive tree and carobs under a carob tree. They're obligated for tithing. Because we can safely assume they fell from this tree. If he found figs under a fig tree, we're not sure. Because they change and they become dirty. And it's not apparent. Because I guess things stick to it. If it's from this fig tree, so you would assume you do need to take miser or from another post miser fig tree. Chaf hey, the closing paragraph of this chapter. If somebody sanctifies to the base Hamigdash, consecrates severed produce, he has produce plucked from the ground, consecrates it, gives it to the holy temple. And then he redeems them as is the custom before they are full cycle, before the miser obligation kicks in, then being that the miser obligation kicks in after his redemption, he has to give miser. If the full cycle came about while it was under the ownership of the temple fund, and only after that, in other words, it matured under the ownership of the temple fund. And only after that did he redeem them. He's exempt from tithes. Because at the moment when the obligation kicked in, it was exempt from tithing. If somebody sanctifies standing grain, and he says, this standing grain is still growing should be for the meal offerings in the Holy Temple, then they are exempt from Meister, because as they mature, and as the cycle kicks in, they belong to the Holy Temple. End of chapter 3.